Thank you for joining us today. Um, we wanted to go over how does vSAN work with Intel Optane SSDs in, uh, in data analytics, kind of give you an overview of uh, how does the new hardware technologies enable vSAN to provide better performance um, in, in data analytic workload, right? So let me go over a few basic things on, on uh, how does vSAN work, what does Intel Optane SSD do, and we can and then jump into the Spark um, scenario and see the performance that comes out, right? So if you look at the vSAN architecture, right, it's basically a four-node vSAN um, cluster uh, that, that we tested. What the vSAN architecture does, or the vSAN as a whole does, is it takes a group of servers, Stay away from the takes the, Stay right takes the storage devices that are there in the service, and virtualizes that storage and makes it into a data store. And the data store is being act given to a bunch of VMs that are present. Okay. Now, if you look at how each of the the node itself on its own, uh, how, do, how does it function and how does the read-write operation take place um, inside, inside a vSAN architecture. What you see is you have two tiers of storage. One is your caching tier, and the other one is your capacity tier, right? So in, if you look at the IO path that's going in, what you see is the caching tier acts as a 100% write buffer. Okay, so all the writes go to the caching, and once the writes are returned to the cache, then it sends back an acknowledgement telling that it's it's completed the write and and puts puts it back to the to the VM, right? So now, after a period of time, once the buffer starts filling up, it destages the the data to your capacity tier. Okay, so once the destage is complete, the all the reads that come out come out from the capacity tier, okay? So let me uh, let me repeat this again. The, the caching tier acts as a 100% write buffer. All the writes go into it. After this stage, your capacity tier acts as a read, uh, read, right? So all the reads come out of the capacity tier that's there. If there's a hot read scenario that comes out, right? When I say hot read, what I mean is, as soon as you write, there's a read operation that comes out. That gets serviced by the caching tier. Okay, so take this scenario and and look at how does Optane SSDs help, right? If you look at the Optane SSDs, there are few key characteristics that help in in a hundred percent write buffer scenario like like a vSAN, right? The first is latency. So I wanted to show you some numbers on how does the latency work. Um, how does the uh, the endurance uh, work for an Optane SSD, and how does this benefit from an overall uh, architecture perspective? Right. If you look at the graph that you have on the left, it's basically a write pressure test where you have a bunch of 4K write random writes that are being done, and you see what's the read latency that's coming out from comparing it with a standard NVMe device to an Optane SSD. Okay. So what you see is over a period of time, the latency goes across on a, on a standard uh, standard NVMe, right? And what you see in the, in the in the blue line that's that's there is Optane's latency pretty much stays flat. 
Okay, so uh, just just comparing it over time, the standard SSDs kind of uh, go uh, rise from from a latency perspective compared to an opt-in SSD where the latency remains flat over a long period of time. Okay, now most of the workloads usually are uh, falls in the range of the eight to 10x um, uh, difference from from a latency perspective, right? And the the 63x is more about how can I push my my SSD to uh, to, to a long amount of uh, random write operations and see what comes out, right? So that that becomes your worst case scenario that you're looking. Okay, so that's one. the The key thing there is the latency scenario. The second aspect is the is the endurance. If you compare the standard NVMe SSDs that are there in the market today, you're looking at around three drive writes per day uh, for uh, for some of the new newer ones that have come out, right? Compare that with an Optane SSD. With an Optane SSD, you're looking at around 60 drive writes per day. It goes up to 60 drive writes per day. And in a scenario where you're looking at a 100% write buffer, the amount of write operations that's happening is huge. And endurance plays a big factor in how the device fits in fits in that uh, that particular use case, right? So it becomes a perfect fit for a vSAN architecture, where you have a 100% write buffer scenario, and opt-in with its endurance and low latency and the higher IOPS falls right into it. Okay, so this kind of translates to hey, I don't need a large amount of um, yeah, caching device. I can end up using a small amount of opt-in and replace it, replace a large amount of uh, caching that that I currently have, right? So VMware came out of the blog explaining this whole concept of how does it work, uh, how does the how does the whole uh, endurance scenario uh, affect the size of my caching, right? There's a detailed table uh, that's been put out on this blog that gives you, okay, how does um, uh, how does different I.O. patterns affect how much of uh, standard SSDs do I need and how much of opt-in SSDs do I need, right? So there's, uh, there's been quite a number of tests by, by a whole lot of um, uh, bloggers and, uh, and press around the world on this. And uh, this one of the nice quotes that I like is, use opt-in as your default uh, caching to your device when, you, uh, when you're using vSAN. And that's, uh, that's a pretty good statement, right? So, I wanted to give an introduction on how does opt-in fit in in, in a vSAN architecture, um, and kind of kind of go over from there, right? And Ahmed, who's uh, who's been doing the testing on uh, on the Spark benchmarking, uh, will go over in detail on uh, what kind of scenarios did he see and the numbers that's that's come out. Okay, thank you, Vivek. So this is uh, Mohammed El Sayed. I'm a cloud specialist at Intel. So uh, the objective of this test bed is to show uh, what is the performance gain of having obtained inside vSAN in that analytics environments. Okay. So uh, from time to time, we see customers who are interested in building new uh, cost-effective, high-performance data analytics solutions. And we see that Optane is fitting well uh, as a cache layer for the vSAN environment. So uh, for this objective, we have built a test bed with this uh, environment. So uh, we have uh, Intel Optane uh, as uh, a cache layer for the vSAN data store. And we have four nodes clusters. 
uh, and we have built a shared distributed file system, which is Gluster FS. So uh, as you know, uh, HDFS is the normal uh, a distributed file system for data analytics. Uh, however, we see Gluster file system has comparable performance. However, it is much easier and much straightforward in deployments. So we have used the Gluster file system as a distributed file system for the data analytics environments. And on top of Gluster file system, we have deployed Spark uh, cluster uh, in a standalone mode uh, with eight workers and one master node. So this is the data analytics environments that we have built. I will go in deep with each layer uh, details and configurations. And uh, for the benchmarking, we have used Terra Sort and Terra Generate uh, as a benchmarking tool uh, for Hadoop clusters and data analytics environments. So basically, for the server specs, we have used uh, Perly Skylake servers in our Intel labs uh, with dual sockets per server. Each uh, socket has 20 uh, physical cores, and uh, the server has uh, 384 gigabyte of RAM. And uh, for each server, we have just two Intel Optane drives that act as a cache layer for the vSAN. And for the capacity tier, we have four NVMe uh, drives. These are Intel uh, NVMe SSDs, which is a P4510 uh, in two terabyte capacity per disk. And uh, for the network uh, backbone, we have used the 10 gigabit Ethernet Intel cards. And uh, each server is uh, uh, ESXi 6.7 version, which is the up-to-date released by VMware. Yeah, for the vSAN environment, we have created one vSAN data store uh, from these uh, four servers. And it's a vSAN 6.7 in all flash configuration. And the system memory is actually the aggregate uh, memory and the aggregate cache and storage capacity of these four servers. Uh, we have TFF0 uh, for the fault tolerance. And we have disabled the checksum uh, because actually the checksum is already done by Gluster file system. So there is no need to have dual checksum also by the vSAN data store. Yeah, for the Gluster file system implementation, we have used the, the Red Hat Gluster uh, file system 3.10.12. Uh, it's actually a set of virtual machines, and each virtual machine is a CentOS 7 release. Uh, each virtual machine has 16 uh, virtual cores and 128 uh, gigabyte per VM. For the storage, we have two storage disks. One is for internal usage. This is for the operating system. And the other disk is actually the disk that will be used for the distributed file system. Okay. So the four terabyte disk is the disk that is used by each virtual machine for the distributed uh, file system. And the two terabyte disk is the internal disk for the operating system uh, usage. And uh, there are different types of cluster file system volume configuration. Uh, we have used the striped volume, which has concurrent parallel read and write operation to have maximum IOPS. So there are different configura configurations, like replicated configurations and replicated stripped configurations. But due to the uh, low amount of servers that we have, we have just four nodes. So we have used just the stripped volumes without uh, replication. Uh, for that running test, we have used two uh, tests to compare. We have 
three uh, virtual machines of cluster, so three nodes of cluster, and the other test with uh, six, uh, four nodes of cluster. One one uh, VM is four terabytes, so with the three uh, nodes we have twelve terabytes as a distributed volume. With four nodes, we have 16 terabytes as a distributed volume. And um, if you know Gluster, Gluster has their own native uh, client uh, uh, protocol for the client access to the Gluster file system, which is called uh, native client fuse for Gluster nodes. So we have distributed this fuse client on all Spark uh, virtual machines in order to have the native protocol with Gluster file system that ensures high performance. Yeah, and finally, we have deployed the Spark uh, cluster in a standalone mode. So we have used the Spark version uh, 2.3.1. Uh, as I mentioned, in a standalone cluster, we have one master node and eight uh, worker nodes. And each worker node, as well as the master uh, node, are all CentOS virtual machines. These are the specs of the virtual machines. They have almost the same specs like the Gluster file system. However, for the storage part, we have only one internal disk for the operating system. And the mounted file uh, system from the Gluster is, this, is the one used for the loading the data and doing the read and write operations. Yeah, uh, as I mentioned, for the benchmarking, we have used uh, TerraGen TerraSort. And these are the amount of uh, files that are generated. So we have generated 250 gigabyte files for TerraGen and TerraSort. Uh, the same for uh, half terabyte, one terabyte, three terabyte, and 10 terabyte storage. So this is, uh, in brief, the test bed that we have used. Uh, this is actually um, the vCenter server view for the existing cluster. So as you can see, we have four physical machines. We have four uh, Gluster file system nodes. We have nine Spark nodes. The first one is the worker node. Uh, sorry, the first one is the master node. And the other eight nodes are the worker nodes. Yeah, this is actually another view from uh, Spark master node CLI. I mean from this view to show that this is Gluster file system. So as you can see, the TerraSort and TerraGen are operated on the Gluster file system share, which is in 12 terabyte for the three nodes and 16 terabyte for the four nodes. Okay. Yeah. For the benchmarking results, so uh, as a brief intro for TerraGen, TerraGen is um, a random generated database uh, benchmark. So it generates uh, a random data in a certain size that you, you specify. So for example, we specify 250 gigabytes. So it generates uh, a random data in 200 gigabytes. And then uh, TerraSort is sorting this data that is, that is generated. So for, for every uh, test that we run, we, run uh, we generate different size of data, and then we sort it. So this is a very well-known uh, benchmark for Hadoop clusters and big data analytics uh, environments. So for different sizes, these are the amount of delays that are consumed to generate the data and to sort the data in minutes. As you can see, for uh, four uh, cluster file system nodes, it is less than the three one with almost uh, 0.75 ratio, uh, which is the ratio of the number of nodes. And in order to know how good these results are, we have compared these results with other white papers by VMware and by Cinea, 
organization to see what is the uh, performance comparison. So this is the uh, white paper that is published last year, actually, in VMworld uh, by VMware. It's about uh, benchmarking data analytics uh, with Terra Sort and Terra Generate. However, it's a different environment. It's uh, an environment with 13 physical machines, HPE machines, with dual socket per uh, dual socket processor, uh, Broadwell per machine. Uh, it has half terabyte of, of RAM, and uh, for each physical machine, there are two mechanical disks uh, for 800 gigabyte NVMe and the 12 SAS drives for the capacity tier SSD. In this environment, they have used uh, Cloudera, not Spark, and they have used HDFS uh, as a distributed file system. So this is a very well-known environment for many customers to have Cloudera with HDFS. So as you can see, uh, we compare the four node uh, cluster file system with the uh, white paper that is published last year by VMware. So as you can see, uh, for the 13 physical machines, there is almost a factor of 0.4. Okay, so uh, the consume the time in Terra Gen and Terra Sort is almost a factor of 0.4. So this means that for a factor of 0.4, we have consumed 13, uh, 13 physical machines. However, with four physical uh, machines, we have consumed 0.4 of this value. This means, in other words, that if you have 10 servers of Pearly Sky Lake and Optane, you can achieve the same performance of the 13 uh, servers uh, of the Broadwell-based CPU without Optane. Okay, with simple calculation. So it means that with using Intel Perly, uh, Skylake, and Optane, you can see you can save almost 25% of the required number of servers. Okay, so it's uh, actually very uh, important for the TCO calculation because some customers claim that uh, Intel Optane is a little bit expensive as an SSD. However, it actually saves a lot of other. Uh, servers need from uh, IOPS and latency requirements. Yeah, another um, comparison. Here it comes another uh, white paper. It's actually a Senia white paper in uh, cooperation with Intel. So in this paper, uh, there was a one per metal server, which is Perly, Skylake, and Optane. However, Optane in this environment is used as uh, extended memory with IMDT, which is an Intel uh, extended memory technology. Uh, because it's a per metal, there is no virtualization, there is no VMware, there is no vSAN. So uh, in this case, uh, Intel Optane is used as an extended memory, not as a, a SSD uh, a disk for, for a cache layer, because there is no vSAN layer, so there is no cache layer here. Okay, So it is used as an extended memory. And for the file system, Hortonworks is uh, used. And uh, for the capacity tier, there are six Intel SSDs. Okay, so as you can see, uh, if we compare also the four nodes cluster from Spark with uh, vSAN environment, with this per metal, it's almost a factor of four, which means that the virtual environment has actually a very close results with the per metal environments. Okay, so it means that uh, with Intel Optane, when having Optane inside vSAN as a cache layer, you have actually a comparable performance with using Optane also as an extended memory inside a physical uh, server. Okay, however, the 
the gains that you can have from the vSAN cluster here is actually the high availability because it's a virtual environment, so it has high avail higher availability compared to the per metal one, and uh, the simple and uh, flexibility in the resources management because the, you are managing a virtual machine, not a physical machine, so you have more flexibility. However, from performance point of view, you have comparable performance. Yeah. Yeah, so the conclusion here is using Intel Perly, Skylake, and Intel Octane as a cache layer can save up to 25% of your physical server's needs. We do not speak here only about the physical server cost, if you can also include the operation cost and the power consumption cost of these servers. So it's a money, much more money to save when you use Octane Insight to shrink the amount of servers required with 25%. Thank you.